Okay, folks, so we are back with episode 10 of the Silly Goose Gang podcast, and we thought better way to kick off episode 10 than having 10th Planet Black Belt from 10th Planet Decatur. Brandon, it's McGathrin. Is that the right way to pronounce that? Hey, listen, it's Scottish. I'm, I'm counting on y'all telling me how to pronounce it. <laughs> well, we we say McCatherine. We say McCatherine, but there's no way that's right. Well, we when I read it, yeah, when I read it, I say McGaffron. With a with a PH. With the PH sound in the middle, yeah. Even though it's a GH, I just tend to go with a McGaffron. A lot of people pronounce it that way. Uh, that's the way Eddie pronounces it, for sure. Interesting. We say we say McCatherine. My family says they turn the G into a T. We say McCatherine, but there's okay. no way that's right. There's no way. <laughs> it's McCochran. 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 Yeah, okay. Oh, and the McCochran from 10th Planet. We'll roll the R's. McCochran. Is it your family from descent from Scotland? Is that right? Yeah, Scott Irish. So, oh, okay. Splitting the difference cool. there. Did you, do you have any idea where? What part? Uh, no, I really don't. No idea. My aunt, she knows for sure. She, if she was gonna see this, she would be super mad that I didn't know. But, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. So how uh, how how are you finding um, this period of time? Are you are you okay? Are you still doing some work or? Um. Yeah. So my wife trains too. Right. My wife's a black belt. Both my kids train. And then our employees, we've allowed our employees to keep training up here with us, but we've been closed to the public. So, yeah, I've been training, but not getting, I mean, we're just rolling. We're not really, like, digging in. We're just trying to keep our bodies moving, basically. Yeah, yeah we've, not even got that, we've not even got that option over here. We're fully locked down, every gym shut. The only saving grace is my son uh, does jiu-jitsu, so we've been kind of, as you say, just kind of drilling, keeping some movement going, but nothing halfway serious, you know what I mean? I've not got big Chris over there, he'll hook me on a regular basis or anything like that, you know? Yeah, well, we really, if if I didn't own the gym, there wouldn't be a, a training for me either, other than just with my wife and the kids, you know, at home. But we come up every day and roll, so... <laughs> Quite, you know. cool for the, the families into it as well that's that's pretty cool yeah i mean that's we've all she's been in in with me since day one so she's actually the reason i started so we started together that's cool no that's pretty cool man that's that's nice that he's all did that together i actually watched a video a while back about you and you you kind of were quite open about it you kind of said jiu-jitsu kind of saved your life really is the way you look at it don't you yeah i do i was um i was a fat little chunk when i started jiu-jitsu <laughs> so it's just a fat little turd i was like 230 pounds 5'8 230 y'all y'all do pounds or stones or kilograms we can, we, can or we can work both pounds or stone whatever works for you man see that's the nice thing about you guys i'm i'm dumb i only work in pounds dude you start talking about stone i'm lost you start talking about kilograms you might as well be speaking chinese i don't know it's a really easy conversion because it's two 2.2 2 pounds yeah but you kilo. you got to care enough to do the math and i don't <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough that's fair enough uh, yeah, that's yeah so you were like five foot eight so what's that about a meter 65 you were like <laughs> don't go to meters jesus christ <laughs> you're gonna make my brain explode i'm from i'm not no. not only am i from america i'm from alabama 
That's, there's no <laughs> math here. We don't even do that. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's, um, you, yeah. you, you kind of started as a as a kind of as a, a husky kid, shall we say, or a husky dude? Yeah, thicker than a snicker, you might say. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Absolutely. So, yeah. So you go. When, how, when did you start? When was the, the journey? The journey began with jujitsu. Well, we kind of started as a New Year's resolution on uh, in January of two thousand six. Okay. So many moons ago, it feels like now, coming on, I guess, 14 years now, huh? Where did you start? Did you start at 10th Planet or did you start someplace else and move over? No. So I've never had a jujitsu coach over me day to day. Like I'm still currently, we're still the only jujitsu school in town. Okay. So um, I started out, we started out, um, is this art called Tung Sudo Muruk Kwan. It's like a Korean, it's like karate, like what you think about when you think of Taekwondo. Okay. Right. Okay. So same kind of thing, and uh, but the place that we signed up at, um, we picked that place because they had MMA classes on the weekends and they grappled twice a week. And I was like, I want to learn to do that. If we're gonna, like, I wasn't gonna exercise, I wasn't gonna run, I wasn't gonna lift weights, I wasn't gonna eat right. We'd already established all of that. So I was like, well, Lindsay's like, look, you got to do something. You're a fat turd. It's like, okay, well then I guess let's try to learn how to fight <laughs> that seems reasonable <laughs> and so she's like yeah great and so the place we landed uh was actually it ended up being a really great school it just wasn't a jujitsu school but it ended up being a great martial arts school you know so like i say it's like taekwondo but you know we would really spar and uh you know not always of course but on the weekends we did mma and they would just beat the brakes off of me and so um the guy who owned the place, Jamie, who's kind of my first like martial arts mentor, he is super well-rounded. Even though he wasn't ranked in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, he was a good grappler, you know. Yeah. And so he was able to kind of guide me. And he was very open. He still is a very open-minded guy as well. So, you know, if if I was interested in learning something from an outside source, he encouraged that rather than like yeah. – that's trying cool. to stifle me he wanted me to learn he's like oh yeah go learn it just make sure you bring it back to me so i want to learn it too <laughs> you know so that's, that's how i eventually spread out and um met eddie was just uh, at a seminar and then just built a relationship from there oh, so that, that's how you met eddie was a seminar and then just kind of spoke to him and he was cool yeah he was just really nice like he he was pumped about jujitsu which is he was excited which was yeah nice to see like somebody that was really passionate about what they were doing so yeah um, i met him at a seminar one of my friends took me and just i thought what he was doing was really interesting i'd never seen people grappling other than wrestling i'd never seen people like doing submissions with no gi before yeah you know i knew i knew about it right but i'd never actually been on the mat and seen kind of like oh there's a pretty big difference and um and Eddie was just so passionate about it. And he was so kind as well. Like, le after that, you know, I was just a fat little white belt. You know, there's no reason to, like, for Eddie Bravo to want to, like, help me out or whatever. It, it would have been very easy for him to just dismiss me. But instead, he was really over-the-top kind to me. He, um, he took time to answer my questions. Even though, honestly, they were probably dumb questions at the time. He he didn't treat me like I was um, lesser. He, it was equal to him from day one. 
and I, that was nice. You know, that was nice. And so, uh, plus I thought it was jujitsu. It was dope. So I just started trying to chase him all around the country, man. I think these are, um, those are the kind of things that make somebody a really good coach is being nice and kind and not laughing at silly because everybody, every white belt asks things that turn out to be stupid, but you don't know. So I think that's, that's pretty cool that he was, um, and was Ed, you know, you know your, your original coach you were saying he was quite open-minded. Is that one of the things that attracted you to Eddie? Because Eddie's kind of notoriously open-minded, shall we say. Yeah, you might even say Eddie's so open-minded his brain fell out. <laughs> you, you can know? see that maybe <laughs> i can say that yeah y'all can say it shoot he ain't gonna watch <laughs> but uh yeah eddie's the man <clears throat> something that um one of eddie's black belts told me one time pretty early on i think i was a blue belt when he told me this this is amir alam i don't know if y'all know amir or not but he's done adcc and he was on the quintet team with it one and all that but um he said, the lockdown is not the 10th planet gospel. An open mind is the 10th planet gospel. Yeah. And so that, that way of thinking really resonates with me. I'm not the kind of guy who I'm just going to do the moves you tell me to do. I will, if you're my coach, I'll do them. But ultimately, I don't know, like, this is an art for me more than it is martial. Like, I got, I'm good, dude. I'm, I'm good. I know how to beat pretty much any, not everybody, obviously there's elite guys that would just eat me for breakfast. But if I'm on the mat with a regular person or somebody who doesn't, uh, you know, they're a purple belt or something like, you know, I'm pretty good, man. So yeah, I'm not in it anymore. I'm not in it anymore really to try to, to be able to extend martial effectiveness onto people. Like that doesn't motivate me, right? Like I can already beat everybody in the room here. So why keep training? Because there's something else. There's a there's something else that it gives me. Like um, I I find it's just a, it's the best way to do like self expression. You know, it's almost it's almost like writing. It's like it's like uh, do you either are you guys a musician? Uh, no. Okay. Well, please don't don't do it, please. <laughs> He's like, I can play the radio, <laughs> but when you're playing music with someone, like, let's say you were a guitar player, I'm a guitar player and we're just meeting, we're just going to sit down and play for the very first time. I don't know what you're into. I don't know if you're even good, but if you're pretty good and I'm pretty good, we don't even have to know a song together. We can play together yeah. and what we play will be unique and special to you and I forever. We'll never be able to replicate it again. You understand? And so to it, to me, there's a tremendous amount of like personal self-expression that goes into an art like that. It's really the, the there are things that art, there are truths that art can teach you that truth can't teach you. Does that make sense? Like yeah. an artist uses lies to tell the truth, right? Yeah. An artist uses this medium to tell a truth that facts or data or truth couldn't really express. And so to me, jujitsu is the ultimate way to do that. And that's what keeps me excited about it every day, even though, you know, not again, not that I've reached the pinnacle or anything close to it of skill, but I've, you know, I've gotten to the point where I can handle myself. So now why keep training? Because there's something else there that's like personally important to me. 
Exactly. I suppose it ties in. I saw a quote. I can't remember what video it was. I was watching yours, Brandon. You'd said that jujitsu has kind of became your. I suppose, like, I think you said, like the filter you see the world through now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you even remember something I'd seen. Yeah, no, were... I say that. It's I say it's the filter through which I see the world. It's like it's like you put on a pair of glasses and now the world is rosy. You know, <laughs> you yeah, put on those yeah. rose tinted glasses and everything's just a different shade. Well, <clears throat> for me, like even the way I open a door has changed. So you know, you open a door at the end of the lever. You lean on the door. You don't have to yank it shut. You you know what I mean? Even something simple like that, or the way I play guitar is much more about efficiency than it used to be. You know, and that's something I learned from jujitsu, not from the guitar. And so that's what I mean. There's a, there's a way to access truth without ever speaking facts. So some truths are deeper than fact, right? It's the same reason that a, that a lot of us place religion in our life. Like there are truths there perhaps depending on your belief set but there are truths there that can't be reached through science and through fact there's a way to access truth or a way to see it from a different angle that is meaningful in a different way right yeah so yeah. that's the that's the place of the arts that's the purpose of the arts is to teach us truth where we otherwise couldn't have found it with just science that's an interesting, an interesting way to look at it well, I don't know if it's right or not. But. <laughs> I don't know if it's smart or correct, but that's how I do it. This is, this is, this is um, I suppose, in a way, that's, that kind of is, is jiu-jitsu, because if you find a way to do something and get a submission, then it wasn't wrong, even though it might technically be wrong. And you've got, this, you know, this is kind of, Craig Jones would be an, 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 an example of that, where he, doesn't, he does think a little bit differently, but still gets a result, so he must be right. Yeah, that's a very pragmatic approach. Like, if yeah. it works, it's good. Yeah. It, it was successful, so it is good. Yeah. But I would actually say the opposite of that. Okay. That just because it worked doesn't mean it was good. Right? Okay. So let's think about it from this perspective. Let's dig deeper into the, the art side of martial art right here. Okay, so <clears throat> jujitsu is not the same thing as grappling. Grappling is the larger context but there are different ways to grapple. You could do judo, and that's grappling, but it's not jujitsu. But you could do jujitsu, and that is grappling, but it's not judo. You could wrestle, a very effective way to grapple, but it's not jujitsu. And so for me, when I'm training my jujitsu, if I have to, like, let's say you got me in a bad position, you got me in a head and arm choke right here. Oh, this is bad. If I have to muscle my way out of that, rather than finding the correct way out, I would just assume lose. That's the same thing as taking a loss. I'm not going to dig into my attributes and my explosiveness just to get the W. Because if I do that, I won't have been doing jujitsu anymore. Jujitsu is the yielding art. So it's the, it's the, we say the gentle art. I'm sure you've heard it translated that yeah, way before. Yeah. But it's kind of a poor translation. It's really yielding. So imagine, is this going to be on video for everybody? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay, so I'll put my hands up. Imagine if I met you, this is you over here, and I meet you with force. Boom. And you choose to push back. That's not incorrect. That may be good grappling, but that might be more considered wrestling. We meet that wall and we plow through it because we're wrestlers and we're gnarly, right? But if I meet that wall and I feel a resistance 
the correct thing to do is yield for jujitsu at least to to dig into the deepest parts of jujitsu. When I hit a wall, the correct thing to do is to yield and let the energy move around it and use the energy that you offer me. And so if I have a preference on the way that I do things, well, Musashi would say that having a preference is the same error as having no skill at all. Because when the time comes to use the short sword, if you prefer the long sword, you'll keep hacking with the long sword for a moment too long. And now you're behind. Now you're inefficient. And so you're muscling to catch up. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It does, yeah, yeah. So hard to hard to express these things on a podcast, but I think I can touch you and teach you exactly what I mean. The way the way that I could relate to that, um, Brandon, is so I came from a, a an amateur boxing background. Um and I was quite good. Um okay. so I, I, I boxed, suck at boxing. Uh, yeah, like I boxed as a I boxed as a Scotland international, so it was quite good. Awesome. You would do everything correctly, and then you would get to, you know, some new guy came and said, spar with this new guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. Stay easy enough. And he would catch you with something, and you would go, what the fuck? But it doesn't mean he was better than me. It means he threw something so stupid that, it, you know, it's the same kind of thing. Where it, he's not better yeah, than me. I, I tell people really weird. I tell people sometimes uh, white belts are harder to beat than blue belts. Right. Yeah. Because <clears throat> a white belt is unpredictable. Yeah. I don't know what you're going to do. You're a new guy. I don't know what you're going to do. And so I have to be prepared and in position to receive anything. Yeah. But a blue belt yeah. does the right thing. He just still sucks at it. Yeah. That's yes. why it's blue belt. <laughs> yeah. Well, Speaking to two blue belts, you're spot on. Hey, well, y'all know what I'm talking about personally. <laughs> <laughs> 100 percent 100 percent it's it's also true what you say about rolling with white belts because like talk like my son aaron he's um seven, just turned 17 but he's, he's built like a racing snake the opposite to the way you were describing yourself he's like 510 and weighs probably about 150 pounds oh man he's like the same my son's 15 he's about the same size but a little, a little yeah, thin, but same height long and skinny yeah, absolutely. Um, so he's kind of got that racing snake build. And he said he, he prefers rolling with the, the blue belt guys than the white belts that 19, 20, 21 year old guys that come in with the tattoos and just, you know, smash through. And, and he just can't do anything. Whereas when he's rolling with the blue belts that know a very small piece, I grant you, but the blue belts know a little bit more and then Aaron can kind of work. So it's kind hey, of that belt, same thing. A blue belt knows a lot. A blue belt knows a lot of jujitsu, man. That that chasm between white to blue belt, that's a hard. That's the hardest chasm to cross, right? Yeah. To get from I know nothing to I'm capable of handling myself in a self defense situation. You got to kind of learn at least parts of the whole game, yeah. right? So there's no, there can't be any major holes in your overall view of jujitsu if you're going to be a blue belt, but you're probably not sharp on any of it just yet. You're not yeah. refined on any of it. And you still have things w that you will grasp and hold on to for too long. Or you'll reach to take something that you really shouldn't have reached to take it. And those are the kind of things that expose you as yeah. a blue and a purple belt. By yeah. the time you hit brown belt, you start to settle in and realize that um, the <clears> desire, <throat> the desire to take from my opponent is the thing that gets me caught. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, yeah, it definitely maybe. does. I, I know I've put, I know I've gone 
as you say, you think, oh, I can totally go for that. That's totally there. And then suddenly you're tapping. <laughs> you it wasn't there. Turned out it was a tra- it's a trap. <laughs> it it's up over your head. You don't know how you got twisted into a pretzel. Like it's not fair. One man. of the most um, one of the most astonishing things um, I was talking to this one of our other friends is a, a blue belt. And when you know when we started, you know, a purple belt was like a ninja. You know, we could <laughs> yeah. a purple belt. Like a purple belt was insane. Whereas now we're kind of at the position where if I roll with a purple belt now, I can hang with him. Something submit them, more often not, you know, they'll submit me, but you hang with them and you go, holy shit, we've came a long way. And then you, you know, you roll with a, like an elite guy, you know, a black belt or a very good brown belt, and they just do anything they want to you. So it's hilarious. It's crazy, too. And I mean, there's <laughs> still guys like, like I said, man, I've been training a long time. I'm not that bad. And there are guys out there that can roll me up the same way I could roll you up. You know what I mean? So it's crazy. Our professor, He's a Scottish guy who's based in Taiwan now. And he he trained with, you know, Craig Jones came over to train with him uh, before he made his mark at ADCC. I think he beat Leandro Lowe and stuff like that that year. Yeah. And he was kind of unknown at the time. And he came over and our, our professor, Dan, he said, you know, he fucked me up so easily. And I went, am I, am, am I shit? <laughs> he, went, he, went, he went to ADC and kind of everybody went, who's this guy? And he went, oh. Thank God, I don't have to Thank like God. anymore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Like, so he's, you know, very, very good. Obviously, he's a you know, first degree black belt now. But Craig Jones is just like on this different level. And, um, quite, quite interesting to see that, you know, when you got a guy who, in his level, everything. <laughs> yeah, there are, man. And uh, again, dude, most anybody that I roll with, if they've been training less than 10 years, I'm going to eat them alive. Yeah. But man, there's some dudes out there that I can give them my best game, my best effort, my best material, and a guy like Craig Jones just are gonna run you over. That's that's what he lives for, and he it's like he was made for it. Gordon Ryan, guys like this, you know. Of course, there's there's a long list of dudes who could jack me up. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, uh, the the art is so deep. I just don't know that any of us are ever gonna learn it all. You yeah. know. And even if you do, you, even if we all knew the same thing, like your personality, your your sense of self-expression is always going to give it a different twist. Like what you felt there, your personal limitations to your body or or your personal strengths or whatever. So it's um, it's art. It's just an art. One, the, one art of, it's the art of killing, I guess. One of, one yeah. of the things that uh, is really interesting to listen to to you speaking, um, any 10th planet guy I've ever listened to, is they have this way of looking at the sport. And it's not even like it's a sport, it's like it's a way of life. Like it's it's kind of everything. Whereas you get other people from different schools that you've listened to, they, they try and give you these kind of regimented, this is this, 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 and this. But as 10th planet guys, kind of, I don't even know that, I don't even really have the words to describe like how you're doing it. It's like a weird, like all-encompassing thing, <laughs> yeah. a really bizarre way. Extreme. I really like it. It's, it's a, a really um, kind of unique perspective on the sport and life. Yeah, we had uh, we had. I don't know if you know Brandon uh, Fletch Kerwin out of West LA, Tenth Planet. I do know Fletch. Yeah, yeah. I love the name yeah. Fletch too. That's just an awesome name. Great movie. <laughs> you ever see Fletch? <laughs> yes, with um... Dude, that's one of the greatest, most underrated comedies of all time. <laughs> uh, we we had him in the podcast uh, last week 
and he was talking about his jujitsu game and how it's developed in the 10th planet system and he was saying uh, to myself and chris that he uh, he was talking about like every person has like a Power, wasn't it, Chris? Talking about like an earth power and the fire power. Do you remember he was saying that about Naruto and saying like some guys are naturally better at fire moves, some guys are better at air moves and in better commas, and then eventually get good at that and then add another piece to the arsenal and another piece. And that's kind of the way he was describing how you you pick sections up and you, you go down a path of learning things, you know, early doors as a white or blue, that you go, I can I can get that. That's my thing that yeah. I can do to 90% of people. And then once you kind of, in inverted commas, master that, then you go, okay, I need to add another layer because people are shutting that down now. They're seeing that coming. So how to add that piece on? We were just talking about this in my uh, in my group. There's a, a one of, you know, Boogeyman, you know, Richie? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he's got a black belt named Stephen Aiken, <clears throat> good friend of mine. And Stephen just moved over to Georgia, which is our neighboring state here. Okay. So Stephen's a good friend of mine. <clears throat> but he was, we were talking on the in the group, about um he gets he said he gets his lockdown shut down sometimes his lockdown half guard not his lockdown um coronavirus lockdown he gets his half guard lockdown shut down because he finds himself going for it and people know what he's looking for and that's another example of this musashi thing to have a preference for a weapon is the same thing as having no skill with the weapon at all so you could be fantastic at the lockdown half guard, but if I know that and I never allow you to play it, you've made the same error as not having it whatsoever. Yeah. Right? Well, and so he was saying, well, then what about what about A game? Is there a place to think about A game? And I personally, like, this is me. And again, I'm not a world-class competitor, so keep that in mind as we talk about it. But for me, I don't even really believe in having an A game. Right? I just believe in... I want to stick to you, and then I let you do the decision-making. You can lose however you want after that. But I'm going to choose the initial battlefield, and then I'm going to stick to you. And then kind of I'll let you choose where it goes. But if you make the mistake mistake of stepping into my A game, the trap's going to slam shut. Because the A game is what – the A game comes from repetition, repetition, repetition. It's something like when you get into that spot, you almost can't not do it, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like when he takes an underhook, I'll slam the flying kung fu move over in front of his face. Okay, great. I can't not do it. It's just the body reacts and fills the gaps. And that's what makes you seem fast is when you're stuck to a guy and then he trips and you're just on top of him before he knows what happened. You know? Do you, um, when you, when you say, you, you know, you're not looking for, you're not looking for your A game. So when you, if you're in a position, are you setting a little trap for somebody? You know, if you're on somebody's back, for example, or, you know, whatever you, whatever you are, are you setting a little trap for somebody, you know, putting an arm in a certain place or a leg in a certain place to try and get something to grab something to instantly go for something? Yeah, and so I do a lot of, I do a lot of that, but mostly I'm, I'm going to do this. So let's say I'm, let's say I'm mounted on you. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things I'm not going to allow you to do. Like, okay, you, I'm going to put your chin, I'm going to turn your chin this way and you're not going to be able to turn your chin anymore. Now you could do almost anything else you want to do, but I'm not going to give you that chin back for instance right or let's say i'm playing my rubber guard and i snatch on that overhook right there now listen i might give you a whole lot of things but i'm not gonna give you that overhook back you're gonna have to navigate your way through this while i'm keeping this like you might take uh you might knee cut you might posture up whatever but you're not getting that back for free and during the process of that navigation i can almost guarantee you're but you're going to become impatient 
or you're just going to make a technically incorrect move. And if you do, then you die. Right. So all I really have to do the way I play the game, I just have to draw the timeline long enough. So like, let's say you and I are going to roll. We're going to roll and there's no time limit. We're just going to find out who's the king. Okay. Well, I don't have to beat you. I just have to stop you from beating me until you make the fatal error that you're almost certainly going to make because I'm not going to make it. Yeah. Does that make sense? And if that involves me laying here and looking lazy for a second, then so be it. <clears throat> and if my laziness irritates you to the point where you move too much or you overextend, that's a fatal error. So for me, I just want to draw the timeline long enough. If the timeline gets drawn long enough, I know you'll make the mistake before I do, or I have the confidence that that, that will happen. So then on that note, Brandon, do you think that then, like a super, not you couldn't do it in competition, like every competition, but a super fight, you, do you think they should all be no time limit? Um, no, I like having different rules. I like having, I think that each different rule set is, uh, teaches us a different thing about the art, right? Okay. Well, just boxing, for instance. So let's 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 think about it in terms of of fighting instead of jujitsu, and we'll use this illustration. Boxing. What's the best way to learn how to use your hands to smack a man in the face? Well, we got to turn off takedowns. Takedowns are now illegal. We're not going to kick each other. We're going to put these big old fat gloves on so we don't cut each other. And as a matter of fact, if you try to grab me, we'll have a referee split it and break it up. Now that sounds like a very limited form of fighting. But there are things you can learn by limiting the rules so tightly. There are things you can learn that you can only learn that way. If yeah. you were worried about me taking you down all the time, you wouldn't develop your hands the same way, yeah. right? And so uh, MMA fighters, that like they only do their grappling with punches. That's fine, but there are things you're never going to learn about jujitsu if you have constantly are afraid of me cracking you in the mouth, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I like splitting i like the limiting rule sets i think that's healthy for the growth of the art because there's some things you can only learn from specialty and so let's let those guys who are specialists let them run go 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 fly little bird fly learn get your specialty and bring it back and teach it to those of us that are more interested in the wider scope of fighting for instance yeah. But I'm I'm definitely a specialist, yeah, for sure. I'm I love martial arts. I love all the martial arts. My first coach instilled that in me, but there's no question that I'm a jujitsu man. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, you know, having come from you know boxing now, I just think and I, you don't regret it. But you kind of go, why didn't I do this so long before? This is way cooler. <laughs> if you leave, if you leave two, if you leave two. Um, little guys, little boys alone. They end up wrestling, they end up grappling. <laughs> so it's like we should be doing it anyway. <laughs> it is. It's a natural thing. That's even in the Bible. It's even in the Bible. Um, Jacob wrestled God. You remember that? I don't know if y'all, y'all I, I grew up, I grew up going to church. I know all them stories, you know? So, but yeah, Jacob wrestled God. That's in like Genesis, I don't know, 32 or something like was that. that. Was that, was that it was definitely no gi. It might have been loincloth only. <laughs> loincloth only, no heel hooks. <laughs> that's like that's like loincloths. <laughs> I'm selling new Tenth Planet Decatur loincloths, just with my face on. <laughs> I would buy one. <laughs> <laughs> 
You've got two souls. You've got two souls. <laughs> so, <laughs> one of the things you were talking about there, it was, um, you know, you know, rolling with punches. And I know you do some commentating for combats. Um, do you do? You, what, how do you find that's going just now? Is it like a is that kind of limited amount of people doing it, or is it a lot of people trying to do it? Where's it going to go? Um, so yeah, I got a couple of guys I work with that are in the UFC as well. Okay. Um, oh, so the May 16th card, I've got two guys on that card. Oh, do you? Um, yeah, Walt Harris, he's the main event. He's fighting over him. All right, yeah. okay. And then oh, Eric right. Anders is going to be on the main card as well. He's a, I've been training with Eric for a long time. Um, so, yeah, um, I, get to, I get the privilege of working with heavy, heavy strikes on the ground pretty regularly. So, yeah, I, I really feel like jujitsu is easier when you can hit somebody or when they try to hit you i feel like it that's what it's made for you know it's it's like just imagine imagine i'm gonna throw a hook at you boom now i got this giant chris-sized hole for you to fit into right i gave it to you i gave it to you that's called an underhook or duck your head through or whatever it's going to be and so if you're on the bottom of the garden i wing this big overhand the more excited i get about cracking you in the mouth the larger the window opens my job is just to be connected enough to you and to understand the possibilities and your pressure and all of these things and then to have it into my dna to when the air so that when the error comes i can't miss yeah think about i think about it like leaning on a door so like let's imagine we have a door with a little knob on it right there. And you're on the other side right there where you're at. And I lean on the door. Like you, you tell me, Brandon, your job is to get through this door as soon as I open it. Okay. Now let's say I stand back right here at the door and I, I'm waiting, I'm looking, I'm waiting on you to open the knob. And as soon as I see the knob turn, I try to jump through the door and I make it super fast. But no matter how fast I am and no matter how quickly I can react, I could never be able to react as quickly as if I just leaned on the door and just waited on you to open it. Because if, if I'm leaning in the correct spot and you make the mistake of opening the door, I can't miss. I can't not do it correctly. I can't be slow. No matter how slow I am, I'll hit it faster than the fastest athlete in the world could react to it. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, I want my jujitsu to feel like that even and especially when there are punches coming. Hmm. Okay, now that makes sense. That makes sense. And I suppose it's taking it, taking it a little bit back to its original roots as well, isn't it? You know, going back to what jiu-jitsu was, you know, back whenever you want to take it back to whichever lineage you follow back. It was designed for self-defense, for striking in the early days. Yes, definitely. And I think that any t- the farther we get away from that, at least keeping it in our mind when we train, the farther we get away from that, the less we're doing jujitsu. Not the less we're grappling. We're still grappling. And it doesn't mean it's not good. Grappling is good, but it's not always jujitsu. You understand? Yeah, yeah. So I feel like when strikes are involved, this is the purest expression of jujitsu. I like when you can throw strikes and I'm not allowed to. Yeah. Okay. So how do you how do you how do you adjust the teaching to allow strikes? How do you what do you adjust in, in terms of the teaching? You know, some nothing. Or do you, no, no, I, you, I, I just I, I just don't believe that there are that many adjustments to be made. It's just a um, 
it's just a matter of getting into the right spot and getting the feeling down. And, th and then, of course, having the repetitions that force it to snap into place. Mm -hmm. But again, like, what's the adjustment? If I, I don't do it faster, I don't do it harder, I don't do it with more intensity, I just lean on the door. And then I don't need these things. So the intensity, the extra speed, extra power, I use those things to close the gap when technique is not strong enough to close it. But like, let's say there's a technical gap between you and I right here. You're ahead of me by this much, right? If I close that gap with speed, I could close the gap, but I didn't close it with jujitsu. I couldn't close it with jujitsu or I would have. You understand? And it doesn't mean it's wrong to close the gap with speed or power, but it wasn't jujitsu. And every time I choose to close it in training, especially every time I choose to close the door, close the gap with speed or close the gap with power or athletic ability or flexibility it's the same error flexibility is the little man strong you know so it's the same error every time i choose to close that chasm with an attribute i did i missed an opportunity to train better and to get better does that make sense yeah, yeah so that does. doesn't mean that doesn't mean don't do it but it does mean that if your objective is to be as good at jujitsu as possible, then every time you do that, you missed an opportunity. Hmm. This sounds like um, this. I think it was a Bruce Lee quote. You know, I'm just funny because I'm drinking the glass of water. And it's, you know, the, be the glass becomes the water. The water becomes the glass. It's, you know, what you're saying is kind of along that kind of avenue. Not kinda. Totally. When uh, when the time comes, I do not throw the punch. The punch throws itself. You see that? You see what I just said there? The kinder. That's the blue belt way of doing things because it, it leaves a little bit of wiggle room and clean Yeah, you got to close <laughs> out something else right there. That's, that's, that's the smart thing to do. If you're a blue belt, you say kind of, and then it leaves a little wiggle room in case you're wrong. You go, well, I said kind of. I didn't say exactly. And you say it was exactly. So, yeah, well, I didn't want to say that. You know, that's what it is. <laughs> well, you know, uh, another th the, the thing that you're talking about with Bruce Lee, I almost said Bruce like I knew him personally <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, Bruce. we were talking the other day yeah, Bruce. <laughs> but what he didn't say be like water he said be water be water yeah that's two different things two totally different things yeah yes i mean i like this um i really like this uh 10th planet kind of philosophy i do i do enjoy i don't it. know if it's a planet philosophy or not i think this is just is. because like eddie for instance my coach eddie we might do the same moves, but we don't do them like each other. My game feels very different than Eddie. I'll play a lot of the same kind of things that Eddie might play, but we don't feel the same way, right? Mm -hmm. Or Nathan Orchard, we might not uh, do the same moves, but we might feel the same way in a lot of places, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really not a tenth. This is just more of like a brand all, the way, all the way to black belt. I did it the way Eddie asked me to do it. Like, do it this way, do it this way. I want you to go compete. I need you to win. Okay, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. You got it, coach. But when he gave me my black belt, I felt like that was him telling me, okay, you did it the way I needed you to do it. Now I want you to do it the way that feels correct to you. I want you to paint your own picture now, Brandon. And that was a very freeing moment. Like, it's like, oh, the pressure's all. Like, a lot of people talk about how much pressure comes on when they get their black belt. But I went, oh, okay, now I'm free to pursue what I feel 
is the best way. I'm I'm yeah. free to paint my own picture now. I'm free to play my own music now. Eddie just gave you the tools to get to Black Belt, and then you just kind of went and done your own expression yeah, of what that was. Yeah, like well, competing, for instance. I didn't want to compete. I told, like I said, man, I was fat. I wasn't looking to compete. I just thought it it was just a good way to get better. You know what I mean? Hey, yeah. Brandon, you'll get better if you'll compete a lot. Okay, I want to get better. Hey, Brandon, you're going to learn things about yourself from competing that you'll never learn any other way. Yeah. Okay, I'd like to know those things. I think it's important. I think it's important to have that nervousness. Yeah. That nervousness of holy shit, I can get my ass kicked in front of everybody here. That's an important thing. Ooh, it's so crucial. And in front of everybody, that's very interesting you said that. That's probably the hardest part of it. Yeah. Getting your butt kicked's no problem. Yeah. I've had my butt kicked a trillion times, but oh, losing yeah. my kids, that's hard. Yeah. That's a different thing. Losing in front of your girl or your mama. You oh. went to, um, I was in um, uh, uh, Amsterdam last November for Naga Europe. And I went uh, with one of my friends. And there were only two of us, but we couldn't be with each other because we were on at the same time almost. And I was standing there, and every other person was standing with a coach, with friends, and they were all standing. And I was just standing there on my own, going, "Holy shit!" I forgot how this. That was the first time I'd competed in jiu-jitsu, and it was like a holy shit. And then the guy fucked up and kind of—I can't remember what he did. He'd done something stupid, and I, you know, he gave me single AX and then turned away and gave me his heel. I went, "Oh!" And then from there, it was like, oh, "Cool." I don't remember what I'm doing now. I want to fuck everybody up. And um, yeah, it was good fun. It was really good fun. But that nervousness, standing at the side and you're going, why the fuck am I doing this? Why the fuck am I doing this? It's so important. So important to get, you know, that, that reality check of I am not all that good. Yeah. You, <laughs> you know, I tell people, I tell my guys that you should compete until you've had these four experiences. Then after, like competing and becoming a winner is not that big of a deal or whatever. But you need to have these four experiences. You need to prepare yourself as fully as possible and go and win because you need to know the joy and that comes from full preparation. And you need to see what being prepared really can do for you. You need to know that feeling. You also need to prepare yourself as fully as possible and go out there and lose in the first round because you need to know that pain that I, it is possible for me to give everything and still come up short. And that's the most devastating kind of pain there is. You know? Yeah. As far as like competition is concerned. Obviously yeah, yeah. there's more devastating types of pain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you also need to not prepare that well. And, and lose. So that you go. I never want to experience that again. That was my own doing that led me here. That's an important experience too. And then you need to not prepare that well. And win. So that you can go. You know what? I'm capable and good even when I didn't give my best effort because that's important to know too, that I can go unprepared and still handle myself. That's good. You need to know that too. So those four experiences I think are crucial for everybody to have, whether they have competition aspirations or not. Yeah, I had um, I had most of those, well, all of those experiences in boxing. So I had all this kind of stuff before jiu-jitsu. Yes. And everything you've just said was the truth. You know, my last, the last fight, the, the last boxing match I had, <clears throat> I trained really hard and I felt so ridiculously relaxed before it. And that's the worst performance I ever put in. It was terrible. Really, I was shit. Absolutely shit. It was one of those things where you, you just kind of go, I was far too relaxed, far too um, 
just like I'm better than this guy because I, you know, I was involved in like the, the kind of the, the international setup at that point, and this guy was new, and I'm better than him, and he fucking kicked my ass. <laughs> and it's an important thing to remember. Like, oh, it shit, is. I am not that good. Um, so yeah, I was it, but I hadn't competed. You know, it was five years in between that and the Nags. I didn't do anything for five years in terms of fighting. But you know, just still to have that nervousness again, like holy shit. And then once you win, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck's next? I think I did shoot that actually. Somebody um, get in here. Yeah, so it's cool. I think those um, those are very good, very humbling life experience that everybody should experience. I think so, yeah. yeah. And I don't think really I don't think you have to get them in jujitsu, but you do need to find a way to experience those things. I think everybody needs an ass open at some point. hundred percent, hundred percent. I kind of needed one today, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would offer to give you, but you'd you'd beat us both up at the same time, so. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. You say you got that boxing background. I probably just curl up and die <laughs> if you hit me. <laughs> Yeah, then do some fucking mad tenth planet stuff with your ropes in my legs and jump from my back and then Yeah. yeah I had to uh, I had to convince you to hit me enough to get me on to knock me down first. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. I think it's true, as you say, going back to that looking at a lens that you see life through, those four experiences in whatever, you know, even as you say, not jujitsu as is crucially important, particularly for young kids growing up and older you know people older like ourselves but especially for young kids to go through that experience of you know top of the world down to the worst feeling when you lose and everything in between makes such a difference you know as you grow older if you've had those experiences yep and i think that you need so many reps on losing before you learn how to do it with grace yeah you know like you need so many losses because when we're kids, like, you know, like you said, you had a 17-year-old son. I got a 15-year-old, and I got a 12-year-old daughter. She really hates losing. She's I've the, got a 10-year-old daughter. I'm in touch with that emotion. <laughs> yeah, she, she hates losing. She's the fire plug of the two, for sure. But, you know, the best way to get over that sick feeling and that crying when you lose, and I just I don't want to do it anymore, that thing, the best way is to go out and lose some more. And to realize that genuinely nobody cares. Literally no one cares about your results. The, like you're a white belt, a blue belt, a purple, a brown. Nobody cares. The only time anybody's going to care about your results is after you hit black belt. And, at that, and by then you should be going, oh yeah, I don't actually care. You know, like I don't care if about those losses anymore because I took them all. But the the idea that you can just come out and be a winner and have a great attitude towards losing, you know, that some people are just better. It's incorrect. And not only is it incorrect, it's um, it's a disservice to people like to new people when they say, oh, he just handles his losses so well. And I get so nervous. and I get so mad. Bro, you don't have the losses under your belt. It's not new for me to lose. It ain't nothing to me to lose. I've been lost so many times. I don't even feel it hardly. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, that's one of the things that um, even even just as blue belts, you know, when you get white belts coming to the gym and they're so desperate to not tap and you're thinking, 
what the fuck are you doing? Why? Like, and you, you end up having to let go because you're going to, I'm going to break your arm or I'm going to break something. Just, this isn't important. Whereas, you know, now, you know, Ali would have me in something or I will have him in something and, and you just go, uh, you've got me anyways. Let's go. Let's yeah, again. whatever. Let's, <laughs> let's just roll again. Oh, desperate. I'd rather figure out what I fucked up and try and go right back into that position to not get caught. You get these new guys and they just go, they just, and you have to try and, especially the younger guys who are, 15, 16, and they think they're the toughest person in the world, and you know, <laughs> they just will not and just think, man, this is not that yeah. important. Learn, I just will learn, and you have to say to them, like, you know, we're older, so you say, just tap. <laughs> this is please. This is not, <laughs> um, what, what you what you want to tell them is, hey, you're closing the gap with strength here. Yeah, hundred percent. My last you mantra. If you would choose to close that gap with technique, you would lose. You know, but you, know you know would educate yourself in the process because if you close the gap with strength, you're not going to learn how to close it with technique. What we're going to be able to say now in the future, so when, when we get back to jiu-jitsu eventually, what we're going to be able to say is, listen, you fucking asshole, we <laughs> Brandon McGaffin, and he said, and then they can't argue with yeah. us. Yeah, they maybe don't argue. open with that, but I like the idea. I like where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like Brandon McGaffrin told us. <laughs> McGaffrin. McGaffrin told us. If get it's not it Scottish, it's crap. Get it sorted new, pal. Get it sorted new. Give me the, what's the most Scottish thing you can say to where I won't even understand it? Give it to me right now. Oh, it's the, ooh. I think it would have, it would have, to, it would have to involve the word cunt. I'm trying to think. Aye. Okay, so it'd be, let me get the situation. Or it would involve like, like a lot of slang, like, uh, Kim, what I mean, Nibs. Say again, was that okay? Kim, what I mean, Nibs. That is not even words. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's say, uh, let's say we just got done, we just were rolling, and I caught you, and oh no, no, I almost caught you, and you escaped with your life, and the bell ended, and we're, at the end, you're going, <gasps> Brandon didn't tap me, Brandon. What would you say? Give me something Scottish right there. I would probably shout, I would probably shout, if I got out of something right in the bell, you would probably just scream, fuck I. <laughs> or, or if you're going off the fuck I, I'd go, I would maybe say, get it, ring you, pal. <laughs> what is that one? All right, slow that one down for me. I'm, I'm interested in that one. What is that? Get it, ring you, pal. <laughs> I have no idea what you said. <laughs> so that's basically if, if you translated it into English it's get it round you friend which is basically I don't know how you could even explain it because it I is don't just even a know Scottish, what that means in English <laughs> no, it's, it's such a Scottish phrase of it's something you say when you either get one up on someone or you like that situation where you've really you should have tapped me Brandon so get it ring you pal that was like my win I won that get it ring you I love it so much. <laughs> I need you to type it out and send it to me on Instagram. So I and I'm okay. gonna practice it. And next time I talk to you guys, I'm gonna have it ready. Yeah. Uh, so well, where what really part cool. of the country are y'all in? We're in a, a place called Fife. So if you think about Scotland, do you know Edinburgh, the capital city? So I mean, I'm not familiar with the geography, but I know the I know okay. the names of the cities, you know. Okay, so Edinburgh's on the east coast. We're about 15, 18 miles north of Edinburgh on the east coast and we live in small villages i live in a, a place called cowden beef which by itself might throw you and then chris there's from a place called Car carden den 
I'm in a place called I'm in a place called Carden Carden Den, which is complicated for anybody to say. And um, Carden Den is famous for having the last duel in Scotland. The last time people fought with a, with, with guns, kind of like the Wild West, was was in my village just around the road. That's what nice. it's famous for. So yeah, small villages, mining villages. Um, so yeah. It's, a, it's quite a nice part of the country, actually. It's quite nice, quite on the coast, but yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I love Ireland. I've been, to, excuse me, I've been to Ireland three times now. I'm spent probably spent like a week, two weeks at a time over there. Yeah. So, I love, I love. I know it's not the same part of the world, but it's close, same part of the world, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. I love it over there. Scotland's farther north, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. like north Scotland. Does Scotland sit on top of England? Is that correct? Yeah. So it's yes. but it's the same landmass, right? In every way, shape, and form, we sit on top of them. A hundred percent. Because I've been to England too, and I'm trying to go to Scotland. I ain't really trying to go back to England. <laughs> <laughs> we'll how how close yes, are you to Glasgow? Uh, Glasgow's on the west coast, probably about an hour's drive. Whoa! So east coast to west coast is an hour drive. Um, if, yeah, you go, if, if you go coast to coast, like properly, right. as far as you can go, it's, it's probably about two hours, but it's not far. Glasgow, yeah, Very Glasgow small. Is 50. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, when you go north, so when you go past um, like Perth and Dundee, above that is fuck all. It's nothing and then the highlands. And, the, you know, you could go someplace, you know, the very north. So I was up at the very north of Scotland for work. Um, so I went to a place called Wick, which is actually good for surfing. Right at the very north of Scotland. Um, and it's only 200 miles. So that is a, that, that's a six-hour drive. Yeah, that's nothing. It's all, it's all back roads. It's all it's hills and single-track roads. It's, it's, there's nothing there. Um, How many people live in Scotland? Five, 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 five point four, something like that. Yeah, five point four million. Yeah, small. Just to put it in perspective, Brandon, the towns that we are, the villages we live in, I live in one of the bigger ones in this area, and we are probably sitting about, I think we said about five and a half, six thousand there, yeah. maybe a wee bit more than that. Yeah, so that's the town that I live in is about is about 10,000. So I understand that the town, my city, my school is in is about 50,000. So a little bigger, but still a pretty small place. Alabama probably geographically is the same size as Ireland. Ireland and Alabama are like the same thing. They're just on other sides of the pond. Yeah. So when, when, when people talk about America, like everybody, you know, talks about New York and LA and all this kind of stuff to me, I'd rather go to, that area where you're at that seems cooler to me it is it cooler like a cooler place dude it's cooler right now especially man if, if i could i'd set up at the border and tell everybody from new york stay out do not come in here we do not <laughs> yeah, want definitely. you here we appreciate y'all as people and human beings but please stay north of the alabama border we don't want y'all in here how how different then is how different is then like each state so how different is Alabama to New York to Florida to Georgia. It's like different country. It's like being in a different country. Is it really? Yeah. So like Alabama versus Los Angeles is like two different countries almost. I mean, still Americans, you know, so the same rules apply per se, um, the general rules, but even like just gun laws or how people talk to each other is it's it's totally different culture, like completely different. Mm. Yeah. 
it's, with you being I would say Bomba, Ireland, my time in Ireland feels more like Alabama than if I just went to Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. Even yeah. though the even though the yeah. language is different, you know, I mean, the language is the same, but the accent is so different, you know. But yeah, Los Angeles is a totally different city. New York, a totally different country. New York, totally different country. But most of America is not uh, a big city. Most of America is small, you know, yeah. small town, rural. The vast yeah. majority of it. Now, most of the people live in a big city, right? But um, I always tell people I live in Alabama on purpose. I like it here. I'm here on purpose. Yeah. It, seems, it seems to me, um, so when, even, even in Scotland, so, you know, if I'm in Edinburgh for work, the people are, Edinburgh's a small city, really, Edinburgh's about 500,000. People yeah. are so rude. Everybody's really rude. Nobody really wants to help you. When you go, like, away, sort of up the coasts into the rural places, everybody's super friendly. Do, do you want a cup of coffee? Do you want a biscuit? Everybody wants to, they're so nice. Kind of seems like what it would be like, you know, Alabama to New Yeah, York. very much like that. We yeah. call it Southern hospitality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's a question for them. Sorry, on you go. On you go, Chris. Ludacris' first album. Say so what now? Was that not Ludacris, the rapper? Was that not his first album, Southern Hospitality? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what he called it. Yeah. He's from yeah. Atlanta, right? Yeah. Atlanta's about three hours from here. Yeah. Okay. Atlanta's al- Atlanta is almost not the south either though because such a huge city so it's packed into georgia but the rest of georgia is nothing like atlanta so atlanta is really not the south we call it the dirty south that's not the real south that's the dirty south <laughs> here's, here's a question for you. politics is so complicated yeah it's, it's like it many cities many times here's a question for you then brandon being from alabama is it roll tide or war eagle roll tide okay i can all the that. way all the way. Nice. Easy. That's easy. Okay. I'm a big I'm a big football fan. I played over here amateur. Oh. Uh, played a uh, wide receiver and stuff and um, that's the religion. Here. Yeah. That's I know the religion. About. Yeah, Nick Saban, Paul Bear Bryant. Oh, you know what's going on. You're talking the language now. <laughs> this is where we lose Chris a little bit. I'm going to bed. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, Nah, I'm, I'm a big football fan, so I just wanted to know if it was a roll tide or war eagle where you're from. I always tell people, or we always say, like, there's only two things in the state of Alabama. There's religion and there's football. And those are the only two. And religion, football is a bigger religion than religion is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People Saban's are very doing serious. a good job. Saban's been doing a good job for you guys the last few seasons, though. Dude, he's the best coach of all time. Best yeah. college coach I'm, of all time. Absolutely. You you happy with Tua going to Miami? Um, yeah. I mean, I wish you would have stayed around one more, but it is just it's a pipeline. They'll somebody yeah. will be in behind him. I haven't kept up with it that much the last couple of years. To be honest with you, they were winning so much it kind of lost the thrill. Like I know okay. that sounds crazy, but I almost kind of got bored of keeping up with them. Like they're gonna win. They would just win the national championship and then go undefeated and win the national championship and go undefeated and win the national championship. Then the next year they lose one, they go all the way to the national championship, win anyway. <laughs> like, geez. Yeah. Next year they lose in the title, then they win it. It's why? just. Here's the question: Why is it? Why? I mean, I don't. I don't. I, I, I understand a little bit about. I, you're saying football. I'm going to take the piss at you later on for that. I would say American football. <laughs> that hey man, he's trying to. He's trying to be friends. That's okay. He's trying, he's trying to impress you. That's all it is. 
why why is a why is college football so big? Because it's like ridiculous how big it is. Yeah, it, it's not bigger than the NFL though. Oh, okay. Um, but here in Alabama, we don't have a professional team. We okay. only have the college teams, and so it's just a little more like pageantry and the people around here went to college there or their their brother or their friend went to college there and you just kind of grow up and you got to pick one you got to pick alabama or auburn and so it becomes like tribal so it's more of a more of a community kind of thing then yeah 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 okay but now in in cities where they have professional football that's way bigger way bigger okay like atlanta has the falcons or like uh Green Bay has the Packers, like they're crazy. They're crazy. You know? uh, Bears fan, don't say that word. Oh, that's a bad word. Yeah, I'm a Chicago Bears fan. You can't say Green Bay. Well, I'm a Niners man. I like the Niners. Niners are okay. You know, Montana Rice, Dwight that Clark. That was my the boys Cats. right there. That was my boys. I'm Roger really a Craig. basketball guy. Hi, Stephen Roger Craig. Come on, Tom Rathman, Brent Jones. Come on. Yeah, yeah, 44. Yeah, you know what's going on. This man's a real fan. I, I, yeah, I've been following team and he was popping it off. He must have played a lot of Tecmo Bowl. <laughs> uh, not far off it, not far off Tecmo Bowl, yeah. Madden and stuff. But yeah, I played. Um, I'm a massive American football fan just to That's make Chris feel better. I love basketball. I, I, I loved football when I was younger, and but I, I loved basketball from the time I was a little kid. I just, unfortunately, I'm a short little white kid. So, you know, I could just love it from the outside mostly. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of upside, not a lot of prospects of me hitting the league, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you did. Okay. Who did you root for in the basketball? Say. I was who did you root for in the basketball? Oh, I was a Bulls man all the way. Oh, yeah, okay. me too. I don't know. I, I don't think you grew up in the nineties and not be a Bulls fan. Eh? Hey, some people did. They liked the Knicks. Some people just hated Jordan just because he won so much. Yeah, but everybody's going to be. That was my boy right there. Yeah. What, um, is, um, is NASCAR big in, well, NASCAR is kind of a Southern thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a Southern thing. I know a lot about NASCAR. I don't, don't know an awful lot about it, but yeah. It's yeah, a I don't know. Really good, I got told a really good joke about NASCAR years back by an American guy I played football right, with. And he, said, and he said, do you know what NASCAR stands for? And at the time, I genuinely didn't. And his acronym was non-athletic sport centered around rednecks. <laughs> that's that's more accurate than whatever it actually stands for. <laughs> I love those. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things that's really cool. It seems like um, it seems really down to earth and and kind of real people. You know, when you get over here for our football, real football, it's all soft and shit, and everybody. Players are all fall over, and you know they're all super rich, and they just don't seem like real people. No, I know that's no why we don't consider that real football. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all fall down too much. Yeah, well, they do. I don't. I don't know. Really, <laughs> you, you know, like you're talking about college, college football, um, and like NASCAR. They just they seem more real, like a like a real sport. It's a bit like this. So, like jujitsu is one of those sports. Sorry to bring it back to jujitsu, but. Like, in what other sport could you get? I mean, I don't know. Would you classify yourself, Brandon, as like world class? Would you say? Would you? Would you say? I mean, I would. I think you're. I would say you're world class. But would you say you're world class? I mean, it depends on your definition of world class. I, I would say that I have a world class understanding of the game, 
I think I'm a world-class teacher. I think if, I think if you're a regular practitioner and you roll with me, you'll be like, yeah, yeah, he's world-class. But I, there are no question guys that are much, much, much better than me. Uh, yeah, but, so, yeah, but, but, but my, my point is, so we would both say Brandon's world-class. Okay. How many world-class, how many world-class athletes can you just randomly message on Instagram and say, yeah, we're doing this podcast. Would you like to come on and say, oh yeah, cool. it's uh, jujitsu. You still can do that. And you can get people who are, man, you could have done, you could send some better DMS than sending one to me. You could have got some cool people on here. Who do we both follow? Who looks like fun? Like, okay. So yeah, here we are. It's pretty cool. What, what level did you start um, coaching at then, or teaching at, Brandon? What sort of belt level were you when you started teaching? I was a blue belt. Okay. Yeah, because there was, like, again, there was no one here to um, train, to even train with other than just the karate, you guys at the karate school. So um, I got my blue belt from Eddie, and then I was like, well, how am I going to get training partners? He's like, well, we'll put a, why don't you think about just putting that 10th Planet sign on the door? And we'll be able to get you some training partners in there. And so I was teaching, but I was really just building people to train with. You know, I didn't have any aspirations necessarily of owning us, um, being a school owner for a living, you know, mm. or being a coach for a living. It was, I had other jobs and, you know, so yeah, I was a blue belt when I first started, but I was a terrible, I, I mean, it's hard to believe anybody even stayed around looking back at it because I was just pathetic. <laughs> there is, there's definitely a skill to be now. And it's one of the things, you know, I've, I've followed you for a long time. I know Chris has as well. And I know I'm on your uh, couple of your membership sites. And one of the things that really attracted me early doors is, is your teaching style. I, I train for a living, not jujitsu. I train financial services. But a lot of the stuff that, that I use in training to teach complex financial service stuff, I can see kind of your mindset or the way that you do your jiu-jitsu is very similar, if that makes sense. You can see that you teach well, which obviously mm -hmm. is developed over time from what you're saying, but you have the skills. Because not everyone's a good teacher, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Not everyone that can do it well is a good teacher. Um, but you have the ability to, as you've just done in this podcast, to me and Chris, not I don't know about you, Chris, but my mind's blown a few times with some of the stuff that Brandon said, but you break down really complex ideas and philosophies and, and paths and patterns in a very, very relatable way. And that's a massive skill to have. Well, it's, it's not an accident, right? Um, I think that being good at jujitsu and being able to teach jujitsu are two separate skill sets. And I think coaching is a different skill set as well. And then competing is its own skill set as well. So, you know, c competing isn't really a test of simply knowledge. Competing is a test of everything you know, plus your preparation, plus the rule set, and plus your willingness to let yourself die out there, kind of, you know. And so competition measures many things at the same time. But teaching only – I could be very good at jujitsu. We've probably both – all three of us met people who were very good at jujitsu, but they couldn't demonstrate to you what they knew. They couldn't show you what they were doing. Yeah. It's because teaching is a separate skill set. And so like you're saying with the financial services, you can learn to teach in some other field and then bring that information over once you have your jujitsu skill set together. And you can be better 
as a teacher than somebody who's much, much better than you as a as just as solely as a practitioner. Right. So it's two separate skill sets. And then coaching is really not about relaying information. Coaching is about getting the best out of you. Coaching is about me understanding you. And so like as a coach, I'm just okay. But as a teacher, I do, I do think that, uh, I have, I've just put a lot of work into being a strong teacher. What's, what's, um, what was, what was funny and what I was going to say was, um, you've taken something extremely complex and made it like all, like really simplified it back to the, you know, this is a, you know, we're doing this and you need to make, you know, you've made it so simple that now you go, oh, shit, I'm overcomplicating things, making things needlessly difficult in my head when maybe I need to take a step back sometimes and go, okay, let's figure this out and just do well, things simple. What I figured out a couple of years back is that jujitsu actually is really, really simple. Fighting, particularly jujitsu, it's very simple. But like, so imagine if you had to know where to put your hand, like, okay, I want to know 10,000 moves, okay? Imagine you had to know what to do with each hand, your head, and your feet in every one of those positions, right? It would take you forever, not just to learn them, but to get them ingrained into your DNA. It would take forever to learn. But imagine instead, if I said to you, listen, no matter what you're doing, if you, main, if you monitor your balance, your weight distribution, and your leverage, you will execute moves that you don't currently know how to do. Mm-hmm. You understand? Yeah. And so by addressing things principally, I can teach you everything at once. And I can start to create really simple solutions to complex problems as they present themselves, rather than having to have a programmed answer for every thing that you throw at me. Because if you've got more, if, if that's the way I roll, if you've got more information than I do, then you'll win. You have more moves than I do. You move, I counter. You move, I counter. You move, I don't know the counter, I lose. Right? And so then it just becomes yeah. about who can accumulate the most moves and, sh- and refine them into their DNA. But something Jean-Jacques Machado said to me one time that I found very profound, he said, you learn 10,000 moves to understand one. And you... Once you know one move, you know all 10,000. Mm. You understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what, what uh, so sorry, what, what one of the problems that probably we have, and I guess maybe your own guys who are, you know, white, blue, purple belt, is we're so desperate to learn, to close this gap to the, you or, you know, the, the better guys that we're probably overlooking things. So, and, and the quest for knowledge, we're overlooking we're taking sure. too many steps. Past. Can't see the forest for the trees, right? Exactly that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that makes sense. Um, well, really I, I think that it's really hard to learn principally initially. So yeah. I do think in the beginning, I need to go, okay, Chris, put your hand here, put your feet here, put your head here. And when he pushes, do the move, mm-hmm. right? So you need a path in the beginning because you don't have the vision to be, even to be able to see the trees. It's like you're wearing a blindfold, you know, but if I could just pick up that blindfold, be like, look, there's some trees over there. Oh, okay. But you still don't see the forest. You understand? So trying to teach people principally in the beginning, which I kind of did that here at my own school for a while. And I just found it was not a very, I wouldn't say it was a disaster, 
but it made teaching people were learning, but they were learning slow. They were getting good, but they were getting good slow over time. Right. And so what I started finding was that if I'll put a system, a tight system in place so that they have to learn the moves, then I'll teach them you I'll teach them every move through those movements, through that pattern. Does that yeah. make sense? Because yeah. so like when you show up to my class tonight, not tonight, but <laughs> you know, whenever this thing ends, <laughs> when you show up to my class, maybe we're going to study mount escapes, but yeah. really what we're going to study is jujitsu. And it's my responsibility to teach you how to escape the mount in such a way that you learn about things in jujitsu that we never covered tonight. You're going to learn the whole art tonight. Just so happens we're going to learn it through the filter of mount escapes. But the way when we learn these mount escapes, we're going to focus on balance, weight distribution, leverage, timing. And by learning these mount escapes with that focus, you're also going to improve your footlock offense tonight. You're going to improve your Kimura game tonight by learning back by learning mount escapes. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. So yeah, does, yeah. Ryan Hall said it this way, uh, one of his old sets. He goes, this is a little more brash than I usually choose, but he says, you know, uh, jujitsu makes people retarded. <laughs> they try, they try to overcomplicate, overcomplicate, overcomplicate. But really jujitsu is made of connecting, sticking to your opponent and allowing him to choose his own death. Like you and I are going to, we're going to grapple. Listen, I don't care what you do. You go wherever you want to. I don't care how you die. You just got to die. But you get to choose that. And that can only happen if I, I'm always ahead of you if I'm leaning on the door. I'll always be ahead of you. You can't close the door back because I'm leaning on it. And I can't miss because I'm leaning on it. But if I try to wait for the right time to do my move, I'll always be behind you. Always. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. That's actually something. Whether it's correct or not, I don't know, but it is interesting. Yeah, that's something I need to think about in my head for a while. I'm going to be thinking about this now for the next three or four months. <laughs> yeah, while we're doing nothing. So tell me, tell me, um, like, what's the what's going on out there in Scotland? Like, what approach did you guys take to the coronavirus situation? And I know that nobody's training right now. I'm assuming, but like, uh, we, what's going on wait- with your country? We went into a lockdown situation about five, six weeks ago now. It'll be six weeks on Thursday, in fact. Um, so in the March. And yeah. And it's, it's been a kind of weird, almost a half lockdown, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. we're still allowed to go out for shopping. So food shops, food stores, supermarkets, they can all still be open. Pubs, restaurants, gyms, hairdressers, beauticians, anything along those lines have all closed. We are we can still go to work if we need to, but ideally we're trying to work from home. Sure. Um, all the schools are shut. All the schools have been shut since March. All the school exams, because in Scotland they do like yearly exams, um, all the exams have been cancelled this year for the first time in 328 years or something Jeez. ridiculous like that. Um, it's it's public transport still running, but very very limited. We don't have to wear masks or anything like that, but they're starting to recommend that we do. Um, we've had in the UK as a whole, we're heading on to about twenty eight thousand deaths, which is 
uh, you know, an astronomical figure, whichever way you think about it. You know, you think about a football, you know, a sports stadium, you know, 28,000 people in a sports stadium fills more stadiums, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, it's just been... Hey, we need been like we need like 110,000 to fill this Alabama football stadium. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're heading towards that. Like, we're going to get there, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's strange, but we're, we're technically in a lockdown. But there's still quite a lot of freedom within the lockdown. It's not like a strict, like Spain and Italy, for example, they completely shut for six. Like you weren't allowed out of the house without a permit. You could only go out like once a week to buy literally essential food. You know, we can still go to the shops, and if the shops have got it, we can buy it. You know, you can pick up a barbecue, you can pick up a lawn chair, you can pick up, you know, if the shop's got it, you can pick it up. It's not classed as essential as such, but you can yeah. still buy it. But mainland Europe kind of went into a full. We are locking everything down. Italy and Spain had um, uh, their their version of kind of a the military police were on the the streets. They had armed forces on the street patrolling. Um, Scary time to be alive, man. Yeah, hundred percent, man. We've not gone down that route. We've kind of just worked on the try and keep social distancing, so keep two meters apart. But you can't go from house to house. Kind of, I've been, I'll say stuck because it is, but I've been stuck with my wife and three kids for the last six weeks just with the hours of exercise that we can get. Um, we've not been able to visit anyone. Like even, you know, like if you've got um, grandparents nearby, they're not allowed to come and visit. You can't visit them, anything like that. Yeah. So it's been, the uh, states, it's been wild. Over here, they've been doing it state by state. So like California, New York, some of these places that are like much more populous, they're totally locked down like much like Spain, Italy, right? <clears throat> in Alabama, dude, honestly, it's not that it hasn't, I don't know, maybe it hasn't hit here yet, or maybe it's not going to, whatever that's going to be, I don't know. But like my county has had less than 60 cases, zero deaths. We don't, we've not even had 20 people hit the hospital yet. Yeah. You know, so there, um, there's a lot of different views out here, I'm sure. I'm sure y'all see some crazy stuff on the news, what's going on out here. Like I heard a guy got shot today for asking somebody to put a mask on or something like that. It's crazy. People are crazy. Americans are crazy. They're crazy. I'm telling you, I'm trying to get to Scotland ASAP. <laughs> I, I, I say, I'm just kidding. I actually really love it in Alabama, but yeah. I, I'm, I am glad like times like this, I'm extra excited that I don't live in California. You know, I've had a few opportunities to move out there and, you know, coach at different gyms or whatever. And I always just go, uh, I live in Alabama. I like Alabama. And right now, man, I feel more grateful than ever to live in Alabama. Well, um, what we were saying to Fletch when we were speaking to him was, um, so we like, essentially, like what you're saying is um, it's, not, it's not really a lot of people here. So the other day, we're allowed to go out for one hour of exercise a day, which is yeah, kind of, Oh, so y'all are way more locked down than Alabama is. Then. Yeah, well, they say that, but there's no nobody's policing it. So when nobody's in a small, policing in, it. In no. a small village like us, I'll go out and I might run for two hours or I might cycle for two hours, and I'll see three, maybe four people. You don't see anybody, so the chance of us, like what you're saying, the chances of us catching it are very, very slim. But you know, Glasgow and Edinburgh, the big cities. And then, you know, London, Birmingham and, Man and uh, Manchester. Oh, yeah. Those are, you know, big, big cities like LA, like New York. It's hey, real. man, Bir Birmingham, England is the craziest place I've ever been in my life. I got, I got a story <laughs> about Birmingham, England. 
like I went over there, it was me and one of my black belts, Sean Applegate. And we were there with uh, Mick Broster, who runs the school yeah. there. And, uh, and another friend of his who's not involved in anymore, but Chris, Chris Gary. So they're, they're like, oh, okay, let's go out. We're going to go get Chinese food. It's like, yeah, that sounds great. And Chris is like, I got a great Chinese place. And he was right. It was incredible. Best Chinese food I've ever had. However, however, I also, we ran into, there was a lady there. She was sitting at the table beside us and she was, I mean, she was hammer drunk when we got there. And so as soon as we sat down, I, I don't, I don't know if you guys know Mick or you know about it. Mick is very much no BS kind of guy. Like he don't, he don't, they don't want you to touch him. He don't want you to talk to him. He's just old school cranky dude. You know what I'm saying? He's the band, but, <laughs> but he's a cranky old turd, right? <laughs> and, and so as soon as we sat down, this chick at the Chinese restaurant, she's just crawling all over Mick. Oh, you want some of these crab rangoons? You want some of this? And he's like, just leave us alone. Stop talking to us. And she is so drunk. She just can't control herself. <laughs> and so about halfway through the meal, she turns around and she's like tapping on Mick's shoulder. And he's finally like, I told you to leave us alone. <laughs> and she goes, she goes, you've got to be kidding her. She goes, are you taking the piss? <laughs> and, and he's like, no, shut up, sit down. He looks at her boyfriend. He goes, tell your woman to get out of my face. You know, like he's going off on this chick and she grabs her wine glass and throws it at Mick and Mick, like, like in the matrix, he's like, whoop. And he dives out of the way and it lands all over me. The red wine is like all over my face, all over my shirt. And I was like, Mick, what are you doing? And then he jumps up like he's going to kill this lady. And the lady takes the wine glass and she crash, smashes it on the table. And she's going to start stabbing him with the <laughs> wine thing. And we're like, what is going on? And then Chris jumps up and he's ready. We're ready to brawl in this Chinese restaurant. So finally the police came and they dragged her out of there. But uh, we thought she was going to kill somebody with a wine stem. <laughs> and we got our food for free. <laughs> it was dope. Oh, even better. Yeah, but I'm covered in sticky red wine, of course. We don't, uh, we don't have, uh, we don't have uh, guns in, in, in the UK, but we do have our uh, fair share of fucking nut jobs. Yeah, I've, I've, I haven't been to the UK too much, but I've seen a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> They're everywhere. They're definitely everywhere. It's definitely true. Improvise weapons for the win. Oh man, that's uh, and Alabama's going crazy. They love guns over here. I, I I don't have any guns. Not I'm not like against them or anything. I'm just too wussy. I'm not really man enough to carry guns around. You know. Okay. In the meantime, my sister's got like three little girls in her house, and they're tiny little girls, and they go out hunting and shooting guns and stuff. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm such a dork. What's always <laughs> amazing? What's always amazing to us is it seems perfectly normal to you, but as the casualness of people, you know, like in Alabama, which is a gun state, how? how brazen people are just so casual with their guns it's just like oh yeah oh yeah super casual i'm going down to the bakers and this is my gun you know, what the fuck <laughs> but you know what man a, one of the one of the theories that we have here is that a well-armed society is a polite society now is, is it in alabama is i've read this before someplace it might be alabama i think it's in the south someplace where there's a town where it's mandatory to have a gun 
and there's like no violence whatsoever. Like a really. Oh, small, I don't. I don't know about that. Like I haven't a really heard that. Small town. Uh, I, I would have to find it, but I'm sure. That's probably Double Springs, Alabama. That sounds like Double Springs. <laughs> <laughs> if there's anybody it's... watching from Double Springs, they're the only person in Double Springs that has the internet. So I think we're safe to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of, it kind of makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. It, it makes sense, and I don't even know that I agree with it, but I can tell you that people in Alabama are very polite, and people <laughs> and people in places where I've been, where they have very strict gun laws, is generally not very polite. Yeah. Gen, yeah. Gen, general, I'm being very general. Yeah. Well, we were talking to Fletch, in We were talking to Fletch last time, and he was talking about his guns, and I think he said he had four, and he's like, yeah. it's it's not very many. I've only got like four. And me and Chris were like, wow. Like, <laughs> for real guns? For, real, for actual, real not, like, not like plastic toy guns, not Nerf guns, it's actual like, real guns. No, he's probably talking about like AR-15s and like assault weapons and stuff. Yeah. I, think, uh, I had a shotgun when I was a kid, like a pump shotgun. But I was like, this is dumb. I'm not going to kill anybody. Yeah. I'm not going to go well, hunting. Over, That's so boring. Well, Sit in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> Over in Scotland, our gun laws are so strict that even like a, you know, like a BB gun, like a pellet gun, you have to have a license to have one of them. For a BB gun? gun? Yeah. You have to go to the police, get a license, have a gun, like an actual gun safe. The police come and inspect it every year. You have to get it all signed off to make sure you're a proper person to have one. But yeah, BB guns, you can't even have them now. Man, the first time I went to Ireland, I was um, Keith, Keith Kavanagh. I was walking around in uh dublin with keith and i saw the police and i was like oh there's no uh they don't have guns he's like yeah they don't need guns i was like well what if somebody comes in to this store right here and they want to get crazy he's like well they'll just take them out without guns i was like but what if they suck at fighting like you won't take them out without guns so like to me when i hear oh the cops don't have guns that's the same thing as there are no rules <laughs> like, yeah. we can do what we want they're not going to kill us it's great yeah. <laughs> let's rob, rob everything this is one of the it's quite funny when you you know whenever you're being like a night out and you'll be you know you're in a pub or whatever and you'll see the policeman and you'll see like these tiny little police guys and you, you go, what if something gets crazy? Like what are these guys doing? And they don't know how to fight. Like fuck man, imagine being a policeman is a massive brawl breaks out. It's all fighters, you know, guys who are, you know, Muay Thai guys or anything. Hey, that would make sense. I could get behind that. What the fuck? <laughs> I'd much rather the cops can fight than actually know the law. <laughs> yeah. Be handy. Um, oh. Yeah. Well, um, how, how are you? Are you okay for time? Or are you? Yeah, I mean, I probably got. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I probably need to get out of here. I probably need to get cool, out of here yeah, in the next five or so. Getting late, anyways. Oh, uh, Twenty-five to midnight here, so. Um, oh, till midnight. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah Almost cool. midnight. Yeah. Um, Do you know what though? It was, it was totally a, a cool chat to have, though, man. I really appreciate you jumping on and. I had a great time. I was so excited just to hear y'all talk. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you've got any, any 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 of your any of your guys from the gym, any of the guys who want to spot speak to some some crazy Scots guys, they can they can they can uh, give us a shout. They can jump on as well, and we'll tell them Scottish slang words. Okay, I, we'll you, so I got two black belts here. So my wife, Lindsay, and then Matt Scaff is another black belt here. 
he's fantastic. And he's got his thoughts on jujitsu. A lot of times are really different than mine, you know? So uh, he would be great for you guys to talk to. I highly recommend him to you. Cool. Of course I recommend Lindsay. She's good looking and and very smart. (laughs) Yeah, we can get her on too. We can definitely get her on. That's smart. Next time, next time we get you on, if we get you back on Brandon, we'll teach you about the Scottish, we'll teach you about the Scottish unit of measurement known as the ball here. Oh, the ball hair. Uh, you need to know about the ball hair. You know, I, you were I talking think about I know what a ball hair is. I think it's I got that, that one. What it is. So, so you got to stretch. Like you got to stretch it out though, because they be curly. So you got to stretch it out to get a true <laughs> measurement. It's, it's more than when everything's a everything's a ball hair. You say, uh, can you just move your microphone? How much, man? Just a ball hair. Just a ball hair. Just a ball. Hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just taking that. Yeah. That's, that's the one I'm yeah. keeping. You keep that's our, that's our unit of measurement. Forget about feet, inches. Forget about pounds, stones, kilos. Scotland just goes with the ball here. Works hair. every time. Just a wee ball here more, a wee ball here less, whatever it needs to be. <laughs> uh, we have. We also have. We also have a different number that you don't have in America. I don't okay. think. We have the number umpteen. Oh, we do have umpteen. That's that's when you want the song. I know about umpteen. That's a southern thing around here. Oh, is it? Awesome. I know about as in like, yeah. There was how many was there? Oh, there was umpteen of them. Uh, Umpteen, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. Okay, so you know that as well. So now you've got ball here. That's that's some old. That's some old southern slang right there. That's like my granny. Okay. We still use a lot. A lot of of the old. You know what, man? As the world like gets more connected, a lot of the old southern slang is dying off. It's interesting. It's interesting to watch. Like Granny will say things that nobody else says. Like, oh yeah, I know that, but nobody else says that. It's kind of the same here, actually. If you go right up to the north of Scotland, and you know, we listen to them talking. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, one of the funniest things ever. Sorry, I don't want to keep you any much longer. But one of the funniest things is when you go north. So men are loons, and women are queens. <laughs> He's just going runes and queens, queens, queens. I don't queens. think I can say that. And that sounds like I'm not allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and then they also talk about if you go like up towards Aberdeen, Doric way to ask you uh, where you're from, they would say, "Fud about your fee." Well, they better not say that to me. Somebody get slapped. Talk like that to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Right, well, uh, Brandon. It's been a pleasure. Thank it has you been, for doing this. And, if, uh, um, if anyone wants to follow you on the social media or anything, Brandon, do you want to give a quick shout out to where they can find you? Uh, yeah, just BrandonMC.Ninja or BMAC, whatever, on every platform. If you've got it, then I've got an account on there somewhere. And um, if you want, man, I'll send you guys a link and um, you can give all your listeners like a free copy of one of my courses. I'll send that to you guys. So anybody that's listening, we'll make sure that they get hooked up. Make sure you guys get hooked would, up too. Um, normally, normally, uh, Brandon, what I would do is I, I gave one to to to, um, to Fletch. I have I designed my own rash guard for our little morning jiu-jitsu class, but I only have large large left. So I would normally say I would send you one, but it'll be too big for you. But if uh, oh no, I'm large. That's what I wear. I wear large. If you want to send you one, I'll send you one of my own I'll, ones. I'll, um, I'll wear I'll it with you. pride. I'll, I'll wear it with true Scottish pride. Way. I'll get I'll get you an address and I'll um, I'll send you one of my rash cards as well. I would love that. Yeah, yeah, we'll communicate. 
Yeah. I, I have one more question for you guys. One more. Okay. Go for it. And then this is this is the last one I got to go for real after this. All right. How much of Braveheart is true? What percentage? All of that. All That's all what that. I want to hear. None of that. Hey, don't, don't, no, Chris, you're out. I got the answer I was looking for. Now you got to be quiet. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much a historical documentary. Perfect. As, as, as like, I expected. Okay. In America, it would be on like PBS or something. That's how like true to life it is. Thank you. Just remember, expect- just, just remember that also, if uh, Braveheart is real, um, Ben Affleck won the Battle of Britain on his own. So it's on one of those kind of lines. It's one of those kind of lines, man. All right, fair, fair. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much, sure, man. I got to go. Brandon, no worries, Brandon. Thanks for joining us, man. Really yeah, appreciate man. it. I'll stop the recording now. Thank you.